What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode six of the Spirit and Truth podcast. This is part two of a mini series we're doing with Ken Grenfall from Virginia, a good friend of Steve's and a good friend of the Anthem community here in Chicago. Last episode, we, which I strongly encourage people to listen to, was we were just kind of getting to know Ken, talking about the divide between the word and the spirit. And we we're really just kind of talking about what role the Holy Spirit plays in our lives and we talked about how Ken has a deliverance ministry and that is kind of the, the meat and potatoes of this episode here. So we're just going to jump right into it as a continuation into part two. Ken, thanks again for being on this episode. I know this is a lengthy recording session, but we just jumped into okay. it because we feel the spirit of God doing something here. So to jump into it, restoring the wells, that's, that's your ministry. If you can give a background of that ministry really quickly and then even curtailing into what is deliverance ministry because i'm sure a lot of people haven't heard about it real quick even a quick anecdote because i was telling steve about this i had a friend back when i was in sunday school at the church that we went to we had the archbishop who was like the top of the top he came and he was giving i don't know they they all take on like names it's any cultural anyway he he came on the highest bishop was ask answering questions in the sunday school class and so there's like 100 200 kids and me and my friend were just the two hooligans and so we he asked the question he said you know mr bishop does this church do exorcisms <laughs> the bishop looked at this kid and said are you stupid <laughs> so i know it sounds funny to ask that question to, to someone like you and Steve who are super involved, but I think there are a lot of listeners that really just don't know what deliverance ministry is or their, their view of deliverance ministry has been, you know, tainted by the media and Hollywood and, and what that all says. So would love to get your thoughts on that. So I'll kick that over to you. All right. It's a big subject, but necessary subject. I think if we can understand deliverance from a kingdom perspective, very important from a kingdom perspective. Jesus came, and when he walked on the earth, he came to extend the kingdom. He came to demonstrate the kingdom. He came to say this is what the kingdom looks like. In other words, this is what life on earth, heaven's life on earth looks like. That's what he, and then he demonstrated it. He walked it. He taught it. Everything he taught was the kingdom's like this, the kingdom's like that. So if we see it from a perspective of God advancing the kingdom, the kingdom of God, and that gets advanced within our hearts, and as that does, it gets advanced within our sphere of influence. It's a part of advancing the kingdom. It's not everything to do with the kingdom. And so signs of the kingdom being advanced, if we want to know what are the signs? How do we know the kingdom's being advanced? It's like, how do we know the wind's blowing? Well, we can see the trees moving. That's a, so the signs of the kingdom being advanced, there's a number of them, would be radical salvations, where somebody's been snatched, as the Bible says, from the dominion of darkness. They were under the dominion of darkness, the Bible says. They've been snatched out and brought into the kingdom of the sunny lights. Another one would be genuine repentance. That's a gift from God. Nobody can make that happen themselves. Another word would be authentic healings, where there's a genuine healing taking place, uh, where God just touched them and they're miraculously healed. Another one would be miracles, as miracles happen, like uh, feeding of the 5,000, something of that nature. Then another one would be where people are tormented in their life by fear or anxiety or depression, and they're released from that. That's a sign of the kingdom coming. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So when I looked at the ministry of Jesus and an overview of his ministry, 14 times people were healed when he touched them. Five times it was through a prayer of another person. Seven times was through the faith of somebody else. Seven times it was through the faith of the person himself. Seven times Jesus was moved by compassion, so something happened. Twelve times he drove demons out of people. Twelve times. And the overwhelming number of times, 27 times, is when he spoke. That's the power of the word. 
So we can see in part of advancing the kingdom, there's something what we call deliverance, setting people free from things that hold them back, things that have bound them mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever it may be. Because Jesus came to heal the whole person. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? So we've got to understand that's part of extending the kingdom. It's a small part. It's not everything. But because it's been so badly uh, demonstrated, it's been, so, it's been given a bad name, so people have shut it down. But it's part of his ministry. And every time in the Gospels, there's not one case where it's every time in the Gospels where it says in Jesus healed, it says he cast out demons. They never separated. Every single time. When they sum up his ministry, Jesus healed. So let's turn to a scripture. Let's go. Just trying to give a background. We've got a Mark, a Matthew chapter 8. Key scripture. And then I'll explain a little bit more. The Matthew 8, it says, verse 14, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on them. Verse 16, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed. Now, the NIV, that's a very, very bad translation. So it gives this impression of these raving maniacs, but that's not what it meant. That's a bad translation. Okay, I'll explain it later. Were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word, and he healed the sick. Verse 17, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. So, Isaiah 53, he took up our infirmities and carried diseases. Many people think that's just for sickness, healing. No, it says clearly healing and deliverance. So there's some part of deliverance we need to understand and the church needs to grasp and take hold of in order to help people walk in a measure of freedom or walk in freedom per se. Period. It has to happen. And so we need to try and dial it down, bring some sanity to it, make it real, but give people the tools to be able to walk in it. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. Please, if you want to throw questions, throw questions, because there's so much I can share here. And I'm trying to bring it to a point that you want me to bring it to. Brilliant. So there's a question. Yes. So there is a there is a quick question, just to kind of make a, a comments on what you've already said um, when Peter is preaching it in Cornelius's house and describing the person of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus in um, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, he talks about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth uh, with good. the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So that's Peter's summary verse of the ministry of Jesus how Jesus of Nazareth emphasizing the fact that he was a man relying on the power of the Holy Spirit and kind of that's an, that's kind of casting our thoughts back to episode one of this series and how he went around doing good and then healing those who were under the power of the Holy, uh, under the power of the devil. So pushing back against the forces of darkness. So Ken, um, a question. So some folks might be kind of thinking to themselves, all right, when I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior and I am filled with uh, the Spirit of God comes into me and, and awakens my spirit and allows me to confess Jesus as Lord, how then as a follower of Jesus can I be under the influence of the devil? Why would, me, why would I as a follower of Jesus possibly need to be set free, to be delivered, to be uh, liberated from any demonic influence. Can you talk to the idea or the the notion that a Christian can be oppressed or possessed or uh, uh, speak to that? Okay, very simply. We made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, clearly. So when we get born again, before we're born again, we had a spirit but it was unregenerated. In other words, it was inactive, okay? So we lived from our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, which is expressed through our body. Mm -hmm. You with me? So when I got saved, the Spirit of God came into my life, came into my spirit. My spirit was regenerated. I came alive inside. 
but my soul was never regenerated. That's the work. That's the walk of your, your soul is busy being regenerated. That's sanctification. So in other words, so if I struggle with fear before I got saved, that could have come with me into my new Christian walk. Because mm -hmm. my soul didn't get saved. My soul is busy being saved. That's what's happening. So I'm learning to live from the spirit man inside me. I'm learning to let that begin to influence the make the decisions over my emotions, my will, and my mind. Doesn't mean I become a robot. It just means that I allow the spirit in me to begin to influence the way I think, what I feel, because we're emotional people, and the decisions I make. That's what it means to live a Christian life. And then my body just expresses that. If you understand what I'm saying? So that's how you can get born again, but still be bound in an area. And unfortunately, what happens is people get saved. And then everybody tells them they're a new creation, which is true. The old is gone, the new has come. But they know they're still struggling with something. And then they pretend that it's not there because they feel like they're a failure if they say, I'm still struggling with this. And then we get very religious about it. And a pretense happens and there's no reality to it. You understand what I'm saying? So I hope I'm answering your question. That's why. Absolutely. So Ken, when you say people can have fear before and after salvation. Now is, is fear a demon? Like, you know, what, what do you mean by that? Cause and maybe okay. we can go into this some other time, but I, I was definitely oppressed and I carried it into my Christian walk and I had no idea, you know, could you, could you talk about like demons and like, what are we being delivered from? And, you know, is there a difference between a demon and an evil spirit? Cause I see that in the Bible too. We'd love to get your thoughts on that. All right, demon and evil spirits, one and the same thing, just different names for the same entity or whatever you can, whatever you want to call it, if you understand what I'm saying. Now, you can have fear, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a demon of fear, but then you can be a demon of fear. If you go on our website, Restoring the Wells, and you go under testimonies, there's a wonderful testimony of a lady that lives in London. We went to London about five or six years ago and went and did a spiritual warfare seminar over a weekend. And at the end of the time when we came for prayer, she came forward for prayer. I happened to be the one praying for her. And as I started to pray for her, things started to happen. And then we sensed there was some measure of fear. And so I addressed the fear. And you can read the testimony. And she just let out this blood-curdling scream and then I could see she was free. So I asked her what happened. And it's in the testament. She said when she was 13 years old, she lived back in South Africa. She was now in her mid-30s married. She lived back in South Africa. And one evening while she was church in South Africa, some people walked into the church, Steve will remember this, with machine guns in Kenilworth, Cape Town, and started to shoot the PR place up. She was a little girl. She hid under the seat. And as she hid under the seat, she could see through what was happening. And fear gripped her. From that day on, she couldn't make a decision without fear getting in the way. She started, was afraid to fly. She was afraid to go out the front door. She just got more and more and more. That day in London, she got set free, totally set free. A husband said, I have a different wife. If you read the testimony, it's a wonderful testimony. There was a demonic element attached somewhere inside of her that was pressing the fear factor into her. So unless you get rid of that demonic element, fear will never go. There's two things to set people free. This is very important. You've got to have a new mind and you've got to get delivered of something. If you get delivered of something and don't renew your mind, you won't have freedom. Because the devil builds one thought upon another thought. So he takes a thought, a lie, he puts it in. Takes another lie, he puts it on. Takes another lie, and he builds this fortress inside of our mind. And it's just the lies, and we begin to believe them. Then what can happen is, so I'll just get something else. Then, a entity, a demon, an evil spirit comes and moves in behind this fortress. 
that empowers the fortress as well. So for this person to come free, you got to get the, the only way you get rid of a lie is by truth. You don't cast lies out. You replace it by truth. So you got to get the mind renewed and you got to get rid of the entity. Then true freedom comes. Uh, Ken, I hope I'm- yes, absolutely outstanding. So uh, just on the, the issue of truth, let's just kind of explore that just for, for a, a, a few moments if we can. So deliverance or kind of being set free comes by the 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 power and presence of Jesus the the word of God the 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 uh, the the power of Jesus but um once someone has been set free what role does the word of God pr- play to keep people in a place of freedom obviously there's the the parable that Jesus tells of the the strong man who is who is bound up but then uh, um, it, it, there's that there's that potential for 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 e- even greater evil uh, to to come and replace that strong man who's been removed. Can you talk through that a little bit? What 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 role does the word of God play in um, coming into a greater sense of freedom and staying in that place of freedom? Absolutely vital. Absolutely vital. If anybody's been set free, if they don't get the word in them, they can have a an inclination to go back to where they were because it's the word that keeps us free. It's the word that we build our life on because the word's a double-edged sword. It's powerful, dividing soul and spirit. You know that. Let me use the scripture you referred to. Jesus said, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through place, arid places, seeking rest and does not find it. It says, I will return to the house I left. Evil spirits see human bodies as their house. Mm-hmm. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, verse uh, 44, 12:44, swept clean and put in order. So the house has been swept clean, put in order, but it's unoccupied. They haven't folded with something. They haven't put something there. Then it goes around and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of the man is worse than at first. So I looked up that word, live there. What does it mean for an evil spirit to live there? This is what it, sorry, it's, you can, this is what it means. It means this. To live there is to dwell, to reside, to settle down, to live. Frequently, the word suggests more than a mere presence or existence of the subject, but also the establishing of a connection between him and the site. One personality attaches itself to a local designated environment, uh, designated, sorry, one one personality attaches itself to local, designating it as its place of residence and accommodates the environment and territory to itself. So it adapts itself. That's what it means to come in and live. So it comes in and adapts itself towards a person's personality and its environment. So it can stay undetected. Mm-hmm. It's the same word used when it says Christ comes to live in me, to dwell in me. It's the same word. Mm-hmm. That's what's happened. That's what Jesus is saying. So these things came out of a person, but then they came back because it was unoccupied. The word hadn't been put in there. The word hadn't taken root in their hearts. The word hadn't seeped into their life to ground them. It's very important because the word will keep us free. Good. Ken, what are some common demons, spirits? You you mentioned the spirit of fear, right? Like what are some areas in the Christian life that we might not even be aware of that we aren't unbeknownst to that we might be agreeing with the enemy in and without even knowing it, giving the enemy a foothold? Yeah, spirit of infirmity. Spirit of infirmity. Let's go to a scripture again. I'd rather rather turn to scripture because it's easier that way. Okay, spirit infirmity. If you go to Matthew 15, it says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that region came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Bad translation. Again, Jesus did not answer the word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after her. He answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, 
it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And a daughter was healed from that very hour. Picture this. This woman comes to him, cries out to him. He ignores her. The disciples come and say, listen, she's following us. She won't let us go. He said, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. What does that mean? That means I've come to bring the word to God's people, but they're not receiving it. You understand what I'm saying? Now, this woman, the Canaanite woman comes and says, but even the crumbs that fall from the table, the dogs can take and eat. And he said, you have great faith. And I remember Steve saying only twice in the scripture did he say great faith. And it was two, two Gentiles, the Roman centurion and this woman. He said, what you want is granted to you. What was the subject matter? Deliverance for a daughter. So Jesus is standing here. He speaks a word. Seven miles away, the daughter set free. Think about that. That's a subject matter. He said, I was, deliverance is the children's bread. It's for God's people. Because if he sets somebody free that is unsaved, they will be worse off down the line because they've got no faith. He waited to see her have faith. And then when she had faith, he said, right, you're, you're free. Mm. Man, that's so good. <laughs> That's so good. Talks people. Yeah. To, to, to pivot here, you know, I think about, right, Ephesians 6, 12, we, we talk about that versus like the, the cornerstone verse for spiritual warfare, right? So when you think about human wars, you have armies and within the armies, they have hierarchies, right? You have a lieutenant, you have, you know, the, the pawns, the soldiers, the foot soldiers. And when we're looking at the other side, is there a similar hierarchy for angels one, right? Cause in looking at the Bible, there's the archangels and then there's, you know, seraphim to, you know, the different, different angelic beings. And then is there a hierarchy to demons as well? And the one that comes to mind is the Prince of Persia. Yes, definitely. Definitely. There is a hierarchy and they each have assignments. I mean, commissioned to the assignments and they don't want to go back reporting they failed. Satan's a hard taskmaster. He's a very hard taskmaster. But there are hierarchies. And we've only been given authority on this earth, from I can see from Scripture, to deal with demons within a person. I don't have authority to go outside and pull down a principality. I can't find that in Scripture anyway. We're going to get ourselves into a lot of trouble because I just can't find that. The way that comes down is when a heart is turned, and if you live in an area that's very stingy, do the opposite. Be very generous. It begins to impact what's happening up there. Ken, I just the uh, Old Testament. Sorry, Ken. I just need you to just re-emphasize that point because I think it's um, it's very very important and understanding our authority, understanding the limits to our authority. So, can you just kind of either say that again or say it a slightly different way, just to drive home the truth? Just where where does our limit? Where does our limit uh, end in terms of our authority, and how do we bring about? How do we bring about a change in the culture in a community or in a city in which we live? Because I think you've just said something which I, I think is essential for us to hear again. So in Mark 16, Jesus said, Go into all the world, preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will condemn And These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. So we have the authority to do that. Where are those? They're in people. So it's given us authority to do that. But I can't find anywhere in Scripture where I can go out my front door and call a principality, a demonic principality, and tell it to come down and move. I can't find that. When we do that, we're going to get into trouble. Mm -hmm. We're going to get into serious trouble. The way that changes is when I change the community, our hearts being changed, and people live differently. That thing's up there because of the way people have lived, and it's like they feed it. So if I'm in a society that's very uh, selfish and very all for itself, how do I get rid of that? To become generous, become focused outwardly, and empowers that thing up there. Mm -hmm. And if you think God will move it. God moves it. I don't move that. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I can't find scripture anywhere that tells me I can do that. 
And I feel a lot of people get themselves very hurt, badly damaged, because they don't understand the authority in which they work. Everything that is seen in the spirit realm is seen with authority structures. So that's why the enemy wants to take a leader out, because if you take the leader out, it affects everything else down below it. But you've got to work within the Everything works in the kingdom under authority to have authority. Mm-hmm. If we're not under authority, then we can't have authority. So we've got to be under the authority that God's put us under. So even in a local church, I'm under the authority of the elders in the church. I'm not an elder in my church. So whatever I do here, I come under their authority. And two Sundays ago, we had a lot of ministry, but I was released to do that. I wouldn't do that if I wasn't released. Mm-hmm. That's the same. In, do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if I want to move something up there, I don't go outside and say, you principality of materialism move. No, 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 no. I'm in trouble. No, the way I do that is let me be opposite. Let me turn. It's change hearts and teach people how to be generous. It's opposite of that thing. You've always, um, yeah, you've always taught us at Anthem, Ken, over the years, just the power, the 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 spiritual warfare that is waged through living in the opposite spirit, and oh. how that's how we change a community. That's how we bring about a culture change, is to live yeah. in the opposite spirit, and that's what pushes back forces of oh. darkness over us over a na- over a neighborhood or over a community or over a city so yeah just to just to echo that yeah i have authority over somebody who comes to me and says i'm struggling with something demonic i want to get rid of it i have authority to Amen. do that yeah yeah you guys are talking about authority you know can you i know i know the scripture i can't think of it off the top of my head where jesus says all authority on on heaven and earth i've given to you and you and there's that, and then he also says, "You will do greater works than these." Right. Um, yeah. So, what what is this authority that you guys are talking about, and how do Christians walk in that day to day? To walk in your authority, I believe you have to understand who you are in Christ. Authority is simply this: you've been given. Bible talks about clothes, being given clothes of righteousness, and there's different clothing we've been given. So, a policeman puts a, a clothing on. A traffic cop, he puts a clothing and he goes outside and he stands in the road and he puts his hand up and this 10 ton truck stops. Why does it stop? Because of his authority. That thing can ride right over him. But because of the authority vested in him by the state, because the state will back him up, the truck stops. Amen. You're with me. Mm-hmm. So we have authority. We've been given clothes, oaks of righteousness. When I understand who I am in Christ, that authority grows in me and increases in me so I can begin to exercise that authority in a gentle, humble way, not in a pushing, forcing way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I shouldn't go up to some random person down the street and say, come out of him. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's how authority grows, and it grows. It grows as this gets in me, as this gets in me, my authority grows. My authority increases because I understand more because this has all authority, this word. When we pray for people with demonic issues, honestly, I've got sellotape all over my Bible. They reach across and they want to tear it because of the power of this word. Whenever I bring it up, they literally reach across and say no, and they want to tear it because of the power of this word. Mm. So submission yeah. to submission to um, understanding our authority in Jesus, submission to the lordship of Jesus, uh, submission to the leading of the Holy Spirit, submission to the Word of God, and submission yes. to the uh, authority structures that God has placed in our lives. So and divine authority structures in your life, hundred percent. Yes. So understanding. Um, you know, that we're not lone rangers going out as kind of Nathan made that example, not lone rangers going out on our own, doing our own thing, but we, we in submission to uh, the community of believers, the, the, the local church that God has placed us uh, us into. And we operate from that place of authority. I don't think we uh, um, certainly in the West perhaps fully understand just the, the, the power that comes with uh, operating in a place of a submission and, and a place of honor and a place of submitting to authorities. I think that the idea of submission and authority, certainly in the States, I think it, it makes, us, makes us very nervous. 
Okay, can you just speak real quickly? Uh, I don't want to get off topic, but just speak real quickly to that, Ken, if you if you don't mind. Just authority covers. So I've got a pencil in my hand and I've got a piece of paper. When I'm under authority, that authority covers. And so anything the evil one wants to do has got to come through this piece of paper to get to me because mm -hmm. I've been placed under authority. When I work from outside this authority, I'm a lone ranger. I'm a sitting duck for the enemy. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. Mm -hmm. That's exactly how it works. So understanding that even the leaders in the church, if they've been appointed by God, and there's the crunch, if they've been appointed by God, then we need to be submitted to it in a way, in a good way, not submitted by control. You understand what I'm mm -hmm. saying? If they haven't been appointed by God, that's a different story. But if they've been God appointed, God has placed those people in my life to help facilitate me walk into all that he has for me. Mm -hmm. so even Paul and Barnabas, when they were set aside for their ministry, the church recognized them, laid hands on them and sent them out. They didn't just go do their own thing. Mm -hmm. Very good. Ken, um, uh, uh, maybe maybe we can just throw some rapid-fire questions at you. I think there's, I mean, there's so much that we, 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 can, we need to ask, we want to ask, we're desperate to ask. So maybe, maybe if for those listening, if I can just ask for your forgiveness as we just throw random questions at Ken, <laughs> but um, I, I kind of feel like there's just so much stirring in my heart, and I know the same is for, for, for Nathan. Ken, my, my question that I think perhaps some might be wondering those who are followers of Jesus, you know, the fear that, or the concern, not the fear, the concern they may have that they may be possessed or oppressed by the devil. Like I've heard people say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that the devil's going to grab hold of my heart or I'm afraid the devil's going to control my mind or, and Paul writes in, in Ephesians chapter four, don't give a, uh, don't give the devil a foothold. Uh, and so yes. can you, can you reassure uh, those of us uh, who are followers of Jesus, that um, it's not possible for the devil to 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 kind of overpower us, obviously, unless we are giving access to the devil to gain a foothold. Can you talk a little bit uh, about that? 100% correct. The only authority the devil can have in a Christian's life is the authority I give him. He can't just come and do something in my life. But the way he does that is through lies and deceit and fear. Those are his primary tactics. So he will sow a lie into my life, into my mind, and I begin to believe it. And then I begin to live under that lie. And he begins to have a little bit of access. But he can't just come in. He can't just come in. He is, he's not allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. He isn't. He really isn't. So that's why Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. Don't, get, don't let the sun go down. In your anger, because anger is an emotional thing. So in your anger, so it doesn't say you're not going to have time to get angry, but in your anger, do not sin. Therefore, don't give the devil a foothold because what can happen when we're very angry? And that word anger actually means you're so angry, you start to tremble. Your body trembles. And then you do rash things and things that you regret afterwards, which begins to open up a door into your life. And it doesn't mean he's going to come straight, but it begins to open up a door. And if we don't deal with that emotion or deal with the circumstances, that door remains open. That's how it slowly begins to happen. So Paul goes on to say, if you've been stealing, don't steal. If you've been lying, stop lying. That's what he's saying, because that's one of the ways he'll get access. He can't just gain access. He can't do that. Good. Second fair question. <laughs> There's definitely going to be multiple episodes that come from this. <laughs> exactly. Everything. Ken. I look around at the current culture and I've talked about this with Steve before is when I was in high school, which wasn't too long ago, but I graduated in 2015 and even into college, really the cool thing was to be an atheist. Now it is yeah. spiritual. Everyone's spiritual. And I can't like, I got TikTok. I ended up deleting it, which I don't know if you know what TikTok is, but it's like a, it's a social media app that all the kids use kids. I mean like kids at Anthem and it breaks my heart to think about this, but you know, kids could be scrolling and there are people that are doing live streams and in these live streams are doing tarot card readings. They're putting curses on people, witches and, and warlocks, um, people playing with crystals. Are those 
like one, can you speak to like, is that real? I think a lot of people scroll past TikTok like, oh, yeah, let me get a tarot card reading. This is cool. This is neat. Like horoscopes and stuff like that. Like I think one, like what what would you say to that? I, I find it to be dangerous. And then two, if we are a Christian, can we unknowingly get a tarot card reading and open up a foothold for the enemy? Most definitely. Anything of tarot card, because what tarot cards does and all that stuff is you're trying to gain information, particularly about your future, by means other than the Lord. That's what you're doing. And so you open yourself up for something else to begin to direct your life, for something else to begin to have input into your life. And so the devil, he's not going to come to you with a package and say to you, if you touch this package, you're going to get damaged. You'll make it look very nice, put a pink bow around it, very appetizing, and so you get involved in it. That's the way he does it. So anything to do with tarot cards, um, handwriting analysis, that's uh, automatic handwriting, uh, anything to do with uh, where you just your hand just automatically starts writing and stuff like that. You just, because there's like an Anything to do with a spiritual thing that is not from the kingdom of God is forbidden in Scripture, absolutely forbidden, because of what the impact that it has in people's lives. Very strongly forbidden in actual fact. Uh, particularly in the Old Testament, the Lord speaks about it a lot. So that whole thing, I've got a whole list, and I've just gone blank, of all that stuff that people get involved in. So the end thing today is right, being spiritual. Even the movies you go see, it's all about the supernatural stuff because people are looking for answers. They're finding the world's not having the answers, so they're looking elsewhere. So there's a curiosity, unfortunately, if you understand what I'm saying. And if we can just allow the genuine to come through. The, the, so people are actually looking for, yeah, spiritual answers. I don't know how else to put it. But you've got to look in the right place, unfortunately. And that's what the church is meant to try and help them with, et cetera, et cetera. So people, teenagers want to see reality. I'll tell you a story how we got into deliverance. We had just come back from church. I was a new Christian, six months old. I didn't even know it existed in the Bible. Next thing a guy knocks on my door. He says, Ken, he was an unbeliever. His name was Dave says, I need your help. I said, what's wrong, Dave? Because I started to build a relationship with him. He said, down the road in the apartment, there's a young girl, 16. She's screaming. And you need to come help her. Otherwise, they're going to take her away and lock her away. So I said, oh, okay. So I found the pastor of the church, and we happened to have a speaker with us that weekend. You'll know it was Peter Pollock. He'll know who Peter Pollock was, Steve Ball. And so I phoned him, and I said, can you come with me? So the three of us went. This young man, Dave, who was 19, he led us up the steps. He walked down the, the row. He opened the door and he said, there she is there. I'm not going in. And he stood at the doorway. And as the door opened, here was this young girl, 16 years old. She had her back to us. Her arms were folded. Her legs were folded. And she was rocking back and forth. And her little sister of seven was sitting next to her reading the Bible. You could see all the dust was still on it and everything. And as we opened the door, she started to scream, wow, like this. So the, I didn't know what was going on. The visiting pastor, the visiting guy, just walked in, walked around the front of her, looked her in her face and said, in the name of Jesus, come out. About four or five minutes, this girl let out this shriek, this awful shriek, and then her face changed. Peace, tranquility was like we saw the girl as she should be. It was the first time I saw something of that. I saw the realness of the name of Jesus. I saw the power of the name of Jesus. And I said, I need to find out about what this is. That's how we got into it. And why was she doing that? The night before, her boyfriend took her out at a party. In the middle of the party, he pulled her aside, he pushed up her sleeve, and he drew something on her arm, and he put her sleeve down. And she said, what's that? And he said, don't worry about it. It was a pentagram. Yeah. Mm. That's what happened. Mm. 
Powerful, Ken. All right, I've got another quick fire question, if if you don't mind. So, um, someone is is concerned or thinking that they may need deliverance. What so perhaps struggling with fear, perhaps struggling with lust, perhaps struggling with anxiety, perhaps uh, and a, a, a wide range of things. Deliverance is not always the ultimate outcome. H- how does how does someone go through? not necessarily deliverance, but how does someone walk into freedom, which may result in deliverance down the road? What, what, yeah. what, what, what does someone do wanting to walk into freedom? It's like going to the doctor and finding out what's causing this. Is this a flesh issue? In other words, just something that needs to be put to death, if you understand what I'm saying, and that's a process, or is there something else involved in this? And first of all, that needs to be worked through. So a couple of questions need to be asked. That person needs to continually stay in fellowship, be accountable, walk with somebody so that somebody can walk with them. And then if nothing's changing and they're really wanting change, to possibly go and sit with somebody and let somebody begin to ask some questions and take them through a process of understanding, all right, what is actually happening here? What is going on here? But they must stay in fellowship, stay uh, connected, be in the word. When I say fellowship, that's what I mean. I mean all that. And not just on their own. They're part and parcel of something. They're part and parcel of a community. And continue to get truth in them. The more truth you can get in you, the lot easier it is. Because the Bible says if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. what Jesus said. So that's key, getting the word in them, getting the truth in them coming to understand, and then just finding out just some questions that I normally ask that will tell me very soon, is this a demonic issue or is this a a flesh issue? And um, am I right in saying that not every opportunity for freedom is is always demonic? I mean, there can be be like a a sickness that may be obviously treated through through medicine, through prayer, sometimes through the demonic. It's a case of of navigating as the Spirit leads to, to kind of yes. figure out what, what what is the cause. Yeah, yeah not one size fits all. There's a many scriptures, particularly the not one size fits all because it's a living reality. So even the woman who was bent over for, I can't remember, 18 years, she was actually walking bent over. Jesus came to her, the Amplified said, he cast the spirit of infirmity out of her, and when the spirit left, she straightened up. Mm-hmm. So the issue was demonic. I could have prayed for healing all day of my life, but if the spirit didn't go, she wouldn't have opened up. There's another testimony on restoring the wells about a young girl that had an issue in Vancouver with her ears. When she was young, I don't know how young it was, she developed something, there's a medical term for it, that all sound used to cause pain in her. So even in her own home, she had to, they had to whisper. They had to walk with socks on in her own home. She couldn't go out the front door. So she had a homeschool. She'd been like that for a number of years. She had been to some um, uh, some of the specialists that couldn't do anything for her. It's on our website. I happened to be in Vancouver. Her and she came with her mom. I did a weekend of spiritual warfare and was just teaching general about it. And then I prayed for her. And God said to heal her there and then, completely healed her. She took things out of her ear. She put them in her mom's hand as I prayed for her. And I said, what's that? I didn't even know she had things in her ear. And mom said, well, I didn't know what the issue was. She told me after. She said, God, she said, God's just healed her. As you prayed for her, as I looked in her eyes, she said, God's healed her. Completely healed. The doctors astounded. Amazing. The mother said, the day God heals you, I'll take you to... Hawaii. That Monday they left to go to Hawaii. Awesome. Amazing, amazing. That's a, that's incredible. That's incredible. Uh, Nathan, can I ask can I ask Ken another question if you don't mind? So Ken, um, we have all seen what Hollywood has done to exorcisms and deliverance and what have you, and like they do with pretty much everything else, they've they've dramatized it to the nth degree. Deliver yeah. uh, uh, deliverance doesn't look like that. Hardly ever, if you know, and I think that's that's the mindset that so many of us have: is deliverance needs to look a certain way. Deliverance needs to look a certain way. 
Um, I know yeah. that you and I have spoken about this before, but deliverance happens perhaps maybe even more than we realize as we are reading exactly. the word and as we are sensing a, a greater degree of freedom or we're sensing a greater degree yeah. of the peace of God, there's deliverance that's yeah. happening even as we read the word, even as we are, are renewing yeah. our minds day to day. Can you briefly touch on that for a moment? Quite right. You can be asleep and you wake up and you think, I just feel how much lighter. God is busy doing a work while you're sleeping. I find generally when we minister to people and say there's a long line, and Steve, you've seen this where we're ministering to people, of that line, 10% will go through some form of deliverance. They don't even know it. They don't need to know it. Mm-hmm. But they just say, I don't know why, but I feel lighter or I feel different or whatever. And that's fine. We don't make a big deal of it. It doesn't have to be frothing and rolling and screaming. Those are extreme cases. But, yeah, it happens. It just mm-hmm. happens. The Bible says, for this purpose, Christ was revealed to destroy the work of the evil one. Mm-hmm. Not to destroy the evil one, to destroy his work. So we are called to push that back, to release people from the work of the evil one. That's what we're called to do. Brilliant. Ken, to bring this into land, I have a two-part question. I know one who is listening who is stepping into the realm of uh, deliverance ministry, what would you advise him? And then two, to someone who is you know not entering that realm, you know the quote-unquote, because there's no such thing and there shouldn't be a such thing, but average Christian, for lack of better terms here, what is your advice to to that person in how they should approach deliverance ministry? I think every Christian needs to be aware of the dominion of darkness. Don't focus on it. Never look for demons. Don't, Jesus never hunted demons down. He only dealt with them when they got in the way of his redemptive ministry. Then he dealt with them. Don't go look for them. Don't hunt them, but be aware of it. The Bible says your enemy roams around like a roaring lion. Look, so be aware. Be aware. That's all. The focus is Jesus. And then God calls some people to go a little further into it, to equip themselves and to help equip others so they can bring freedom to other people. There are some that God calls to do that. But every Christian needs to understand the authority in Christ and not get pushed around by the devil. Never be afraid of the devil. If we read how the demons responded to Jesus, we'll never be afraid of the devil. Mm. The Bible says they begged him. They begged him. Think about that. Go read it. Mark chapter 5. They begged Jesus. Don't torment us. Don't hurt us. Begged him. Pleaded with him. (laughs) Think about that. Mm -hmm. Amazing. In the scriptures. That's awesome. You know, I just want to trust for faith here. Like, I just I just feel faith rising up in this moment. And, 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 you know, we prayed this. We prayed that, you know, this episode would provide freedom and deliverance for people listening. So, Ken, can, for, the, for those who are listening that, that might be like, man, there's something that I'm in bondage over. There's something that I want freedom from. Man, can, can we just, can we come in agreement and pray for those people and, you know, Jesus is, yeah, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we don't, we don't believe that, that deliverance is, is for a specific time of us recording. You have to be here in this room right now. We think it could be happening while you're driving, while you're folding your laundry, while you're exercising. Man, can, can we just, can we just, can you pray for that, Ken? I, I just feel, feel led to do that. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the cross. And I thank you at the cross. Everything we need for life and godliness was given. Everything. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that when you rose from the dead, you depicted the destruction of the dominion of darkness. Your word says that you captured them and made a public spectacle of them in the spirit realm. The Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak to everyone that is listening to this podcast. I take authority over the work of the evil one in people's lives. And I say, in the name of Jesus Christ, you will stop. I speak release over those people. I speak freedom over those people. Because your work has been destroyed through Jesus Christ. 
and I pray that over people. Let the reality of freedom come to your people, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is such a good episode. It was outstanding. Can I just take a moment just to honor you, Ken? You have, and those many who are listening don't know you, but you have walked faithfully. You have loved your wife sacrificially. You have poured out your heart into into your children. You've served the local church with with a with a passion and a love for Jesus. Your the the church that you've led, the church that you now are a part of, that you handed over to your son, got such a passion for the bride of Jesus and and a love for the local church. And above all of that, you you have a heart uh, to to honor, to to serve, to worship, and to lift up Jesus, the name of Jesus, the, the, uh, the your Lord, your Savior, and, and the one who has transformed your life. And I just want to take a moment just to thank you and and honor you for um, not just the the last two episodes that we've been able to record with you, but the impact that you've had in my life and the impact that you've had in in Deb's life and my family and the church that we we are a part of and and just thank you so much for yeah, yeah for the incredible example that you that you set for 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 so many and ken if, I, if I can encourage people because i know i did this and i felt like i was dealing with bitterness that was spiritually rooted i i went to restoringthewells.com found your number gave you a call prayed with you and i was set free and so i just want to encourage people it's as simple as that and and um I'm, I'm sure i'm sure we're gonna have multiple parts coming mm. from this episode if there are questions and I, I heavily more than every episode we've done before <laughs> strongly encourage questions from this because it's 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 a lofty topic 50 something yeah. minutes can't cover it so i'm sure we'll have uh, different parts but that's the surface i just want to thank you both privilege really privilege really i mean it appreciate it steve i really value your friendship um yeah just thank you and uh, like I always say, it's a privilege. Mm-hmm. The grace of God, and I mean that. It really is. It's, it's, it just is. So thank you. So I'll take that as a yes to uh, an episode three and an episode four <laughs> down the road. Thanks, Ken. I heard that. We really, really appreciate that. I heard five and six coming. Five too. and six as well. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. Ken, thank you so much. You guys sleep well, eh? Blessings. Bye.